This is the Flavor of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Clint Hoops. Together, we explore the unique blend of leadership wisdom that helps top leaders consistently achieve work goals, develop personally, and find fulfillment with family. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Flavor of Leadership podcast. This is episode number five, and today we're going to be talking about the top reason that you are not enjoying work anymore. And very excited today to have our guest on. His name is Tyler Hoops, and the last name may sound familiar. He is actually my older brother. Excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you, Clint. Excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, Tyler, just to give him give you a little background of, of who he is other than, than my brother, he is a leader with Sunstone Healthcare and has led healthcare teams, both large and small, for over 15 years. His current role gives him a ton of opportunities to help you know, mentor executive directors and leaders and to help them create successful operations and to also have happy employees and, and top performance in their nursing home facilities. You know, Tyler is also known as the white collar cyclist on Instagram. That's where he shares leadership wisdom and his love of cycling. So you can check him out there as well. So welcome, welcome, Tyler. Excited to have you here. Thank you. Appreciate being here. I've listened to the uh, many episodes of The Flavor of Leadership, and I'm excited. I've listened to lots of actually podcasts about leadership, and I've never really considered you know, what it would be like to have this experience. And so it's actually unique. So I'm excited to be on the other end and humbling, actually, because sometimes you don't always think your leadership experience is that special. But I think all of us benefit from one another when we share examples and stories. So I'm grateful to have this chance. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm grateful to have you here. You know, actually, Tyler and I, we actually worked together for over six years. And it was a lot of fun because the topic that we're covering today is actually one that Tyler helped me with during my time as an executive director in skilled nursing facilities. And so I had times as well where I was not enjoying work. And Tyler is actually one that helped me figure out what it was. And so I'm excited to go through some of those things today. So Tyler, we have, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the topic here, the top reason you're not enjoying work anymore. I mean, work should be fun. I mean, it's obviously work, right? But it's gotta be at least some fun or it's not going to be something that you can ever have the passion (laughs) to, and the time to stay focused on. You're right. I mean, I think about work and, 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 you know, when you're a kid, the last thing you want to do is work. You want to go have fun and work is just a chore and just getting it done. So then you can go out and play, ride your bikes out in the street. As you become an adult, it's this weird thing where work actually can become fun. And, uh, a lot of the time when we don't think it's fun, we start to point to reasons and especially in leadership. That's something I found is, you know, we, we, we work our whole career trying to be the best employee we can be. And at times, you know, we see leadership as, as a reward for doing something really well, or it also comes to us because we're extremely hard workers and people know we'll work even harder as a leader. Both of those end up putting you in a leadership position that you kind of think, okay, I've arrived, now what? But once you are a leader and you dislike your job, then what's the next step? You're not waiting for the next promotion. Do you go back to being on the frontline staff or what? So, and would yeah. you even enjoy that anymore at that point? Because you've, you've started getting to the point where you have the ability to truly impact the world around you 
in your job and and actually really help those that that work for you and i think to no longer have that ability would be pretty tough for someone that has has fought to to develop those skills exactly and frankly what's funny is i think there's a lot of turnover uh, you know or i shouldn't say turnover when people change jobs a lot they say change your job or maybe your career like what six times in your life or something i think sometimes as as we're talking it's kind of coming to me that we we do that because we kind of feel like we're stagnant or we've hit hit a wall i think some of these principles we talk about in leadership maybe m- could make it so that you could have a longer sustaining career in a typical industry or maybe even the same company i love it so sometimes so i guess what you're saying is is sometimes people run away from the thing that's making work not fun anymore uh, you got it i unfortunately we might do that in more than just our work life you know unfortunately people look at that in friendships or uh, honestly i already dropped it about white collar cyclist i trade i trade bikes a lot i buy and sell and the funny thing is is the more i ride the more i realize the bike doesn't really matter typically it's because i haven't been training as hard and i get back on the bike and i don't like it because it's sluggish well really it's because i've gained 10 pounds so I hate to say it, we got to look in the mirror a lot more often than we do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, so what is it? What is it that was it? What is it that helped that is keeping people from having fun at work anymore? Because basically, when we're saying they're not enjoying work, we're saying that they once enjoyed work. I'm guessing, right? Good assumption. So so first, at the beginning, is that they enjoyed work of some way. Otherwise, they would have already left. Yeah. And so they were promoted over time. Now they're in a leadership position. Maybe they've been had a lot of success, but for some reason, not fun anymore. So what? What have you seen? So, so first thing I would say is leadership's lonely. Okay, you may have lead a team, but when you're the leader, it's like you're on an island. Yes, you counsel with everybody, but at the end of the day, you have that weight and that responsibility to act when things need to be acted upon. No one's going to do it for you. Even if you delegate it, at the end of the day, you need to be the instigator. And so the thing that I would say is if, if you find that job satisfaction is less or that you all of a sudden dislike your job, I would challenge you to look at what decisions you know need to be made and you're avoiding them or what tough conversations need to be had in your department or in your company, whatever you're leading and you're avoiding. I love that. That That's actually when, when I said that, that I had learned some of these things from you, that is one of the things that made me not enjoy work anymore. I remember it was years ago. I was struggling and I remember Tyler sat down with me. And we started talking about things and realized that the very thing that was causing me the biggest struggle was the thing that was actually right within my control. It was the most scary thing, it seemed, until I actually confronted it, <laughs> and then it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. And, and things began to change, and I began to be able to fix those things in my leadership over time. And it's, it's gotten easier and easier over time to just conf- have the hard conversations immediately to where now I get to the point where I just have them immediately. I just, I don't even, I don't stew anymore. <laughs> I just have to have them because it's just painful because I can see where it goes. So, so you see this with lots of people. Oh, it's funny because you just said that, that you address it immediately. And if I were to ask you or frankly, anyone around us, do you like it when people tell you your weaknesses or when they're direct with you about what you can improve upon? We all say, what? We, we all say, yes, we want to know. Yeah. And even though it hurts, mm-hmm. but we're always grateful. We want it. And so 
So we say that, but then on the flip side, I say, okay, so then are you going to tell so-and-so about how their behavior is impacting the success of your team? Oh, and then you see the individual just get real deep and say, well, I can't. Because. Because. Dot, dot. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. The because part is probably the part we need to face. Because typically a good leader, a servant type leader or responsibility-based leader says, okay, what things haven't I done to really prepare this person? So I own the responsibility just as much as they do. Absolutely. I love that you think that and you're that makes you a really good leader. But failure to tell the person anyways makes you an, an unsuccessful or an ineffective leader, ineffective leader. Because yeah, the, the more we're just looking in the mirror while not helping somebody get better, then we're, we're just slowing them down, slowing their success to improve down or potentially if they aren't the right person, you're waiting too long. Yeah, a couple of episodes ago, we had a show on measurement and metrics. And I think this is not having I identifying those clear metrics, I think that's often what leads to this because the failure to make a decision or the failure to identify the metrics early on with people, I think is what ends up making this happen in some cases. Yes. Could I say, I want to say one thing on that line, actually. Yes, that's exactly right. But behavioral based feedback is the one that I think is it, it is a little more nebulous and unclear and subjective that's probably the one that's even harder. It almost feels like, you know, people are like, okay, I'm going to wait a few more months to see if they're just ensure their scorecard continues to go down and then I'll confront it. I'm like, so you're going to wait three months when you can see the behaviors now, right? Yes. Because the behavior, well, it's just that they're leaving every day at four o'clock and if they would stay till five, but you know, who am I to say, maybe they come in early and I just don't see it. Why would you wait three months down the road for their collection numbers to, you know, really go in the tank to confront this because as again, as a leader, you need to address the behavior. So anyway, yeah, sometimes a scorecard is after the fact and, and it hurts. And it can actually be, that's interesting. I guess we're talking even down to like lead measures and lag measures a little bit, right? So, so we're saying that some of these behaviors are leading indicators and then all of those scorecards and the metrics, they will follow and they will go down and get worse with these people. But often you have the ability as a leader, you're close enough. You are doing, you know, one-on-one meetings with these people. You're, you're right there in an, in a position where you can help them. And if you see these behaviors are going to lead to something to poor performance, you do, you owe it to them to do it now, yeah. but it's so easy to think, Oh, well, they're smart. I'm not going to micromanage them. When really giving them the ability and that feedback is not micromanaging, it's, it's leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes what we do is we, we bounce between thinking, okay, am I trying to be too much of a know-it-all? Experience taught me this lesson, so maybe I need to let them experience it. They're young, still developing. I, I think we fool ourselves a little bit to think that somebody has to struggle and fall on their face 100% especially, you know, maybe that goes back to developing rapport with somebody connecting so that they do trust that you have their best interest in mind. That's probably one reason it's so crucial up front as a leader to really connect, not because you're buddy, buddy, but just so that they respect and realize you do have their best interest. And maybe from the beginning, create that culture in your companies that we do confront the brutal facts as uh, good to great says, where we actually do discuss things up front that need to improve. Cause if you create that culture, 
it won't be so awkward. It's weird doing two months of not telling anybody they're doing anything wrong. And then all of a sudden drop a bunch of information on them. Oh yeah. And say, you know, this and this and this, it makes it feel like you just, like you never liked anything they did. And it's, and it's hard for them to keep their self-esteem and, and everything as a leader as well. So, I mean, going back to like the basis of the, the conversation, like you said is, so how does this really influence whether you like your job? I've just been thinking about this as we're talking is most leaders grow and appreciate their role when they get to develop other people and help them improve. And I think the reason I find dissatisfaction in my role and I, I feel stagnant is because I'm avoiding, you know, a difficult conversation, which could potentially help somebody, or I may deep down know that they are the wrong person and I'm just not confronting it. And, and then it starts to eat at me. And anyway, it's just a bad feeling altogether when you know you got to act on something and you don't. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one. Cause I know that generally when we think someone's the wrong person, they generally, at least in my experience, it seems as though they also know inside that they don't fit or, or they don't have enough awareness to, to realize that. And, and then that in of itself is also a, a problem. <laughs> Good point. Especially if they're a leader. Yeah. And, and uh, anyone listening right now who has a situation at work or is observing it, you're realizing everyone on the outside is observing it and seeing it as well. Sometimes it's so clear because I know, you know, in, in our business, we cluster our individual nursing homes together. And so a lot of the time, one of the benefits is, is you have administrators or executive directors from other businesses or, or nursing homes coming into yours, listening to your problems or listening to your challenges. And they're given really good insights that are very objective and they're not, you know, they don't, they don't know the people. And it's interesting sometimes to see how good of advice you can get from somebody that's an arm's length away from your business. And they don't see the people as, I shouldn't say as people, but they just see them as the situation as it is. Sometimes we put so many emotions behind what decisions need to be made that it does stop us. And anyway, it just eats you up. So it's the whole, sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees, kind of a mentality, right? Yep. So the other people around you can help you see more clearly. And I, I like that. I like that. You know, you mentioned good to great and talking about having a, you know, confronting the brutal facts. And the other piece that I love in that in confronting the brutal facts is doing autopsies without blame. Mm-hmm. You know, where you go and dissect a situation, especially when you have in your situation where people are able to to have that resource of people that have they're in a similar situation to give that feedback, having that autopsy without blame, tearing things apart and seeing where the issue is. Sometimes it is as simple as a couple of key conversations or a key person in a wrong seat. So well said. Yeah. Love that. Excellent. So what types of decisions, other decisions do you feel that people need to make that they, that they often hold off on making? You know, one personal one that I've experienced this week, even, and I, and I talked with some leaders about it is I lead a group of, there's a, there's a number of different facilities and nursing homes that we have, but then I also have my own personal team that I work with. And with that team, we, we do a weekly call. We, we discuss what items are most important what people issues there might have and what strategies we need to work on. I found that that call is starting to get stagnant. And I actually have found that I'm, I would, if there's a reason for it to get canceled, I'm like, oh good, let's just cancel it. 
uh, because it, it's just easier. I, I don't have to go through the pain of just thinking about what we're going to talk about. It's like you're creating something, creating, right? Yeah. Having a meeting just to have a meeting. And I'm feeling that way. Okay. And remember, I'm the person who is leading the call. If I feel that way, how do you think the rest of everyone feels? <laughs> they're, they're very true. They're probably like, oh man, I hope he does oh, cancel the meeting. Exactly. I've reported the same thing the last three weeks in a row and I don't know what else to make up. Bam. That, that's it. And so I, it dawned on me because I had to miss the call this week and I kind of felt this tinge of guilt for enjoying the fact that I didn't have to get on the call. I mean, that's a problem because one, meetings should only be held if there's really a purpose. And then second is if they're not engaging and if there isn't some sort of strategic discussion or frankly, some conflict, then I'm doing something wrong. And so I guess that's, that's just another example of I'm dissatisfied with one of my meetings. Should I continue to tolerate it? No, I need to change. And, and that's something I'm committed to doing right now is I, I've got to fix that for this next uh, few weeks so that we, anyway, it's a lot more effective. And I think people will just see that it's more engaging. I love that. Like you said, the people around you know it. I don't know about you, but I have had many different times over the years where I have made one of these decisions. And just like you had mentioned earlier, and the people around me after I make the decision say, wow, it's about time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, always and, that's always, and that's always hard to hear, uh, but it does give you the confidence in the future to not, not be afraid to, to make the call. Yeah. So again, that was just small. Uh, you know, that's a meeting example. A lot of the times, some of the big deterrents are people decisions or frankly, maybe I, I, in industries that I'm not working in, but maybe there's a product that you're working with that just isn't as effective as it used to be. And you might have to make the hard decision to close that down or to modify it. And that, that's going to affect people's lives. But again, if you fail to do it, because, or if you choose not to because it's uncomfortable and it, you know you choose to leave your business or to just kind of change your job, the next person's going to end up doing it. So why don't you just take the initiative, get your job satisfaction back, and continue to lift your business? Yeah, you know, you find that people will, you know, when they when they do make these decisions, they're so much happier in the end. They have the ability to open up their mind and allow them to have other insights. I find I find sometimes that that you know we're talking about how today saying why is work not fun anymore and i think it's a lot harder to have great insights about the direction and vision of where your of where your operation should go if you're not having fun it's like there's a there's a block there a dam that you can't get through yeah there's been many times where you know yes i'm just going to say yes I, I can't think of an example i was about to talk about one of my experiences where there was a leader who was just sitting there staring at his computer and like not knowing what to do. And, and, you know, as, as partners, we came and kind of directed him and said, Hey, here's, here's some action items. Here's how you're going to do it. Let's write people's names next to it. And it was kind of like a light bulb we, or, or frankly water coming out of a dam. We finally just opened the gates and he was able to start going, but it was literally, he just, he needed someone to kind of walk him through making the decisions or marking out the path of what conversations need to happen next. And once that happened, it was it was takeoff, but almost like writer's block, right? Well said. Yeah, where where couldn't he couldn't quite put the next foot in front of the other, so to speak, and see the direction. But as soon as that dam was broken, 
then it just flowed, right? Yeah, you you get your mojo back. That's what, kind of what we always say. So uh, it's funny because I've even had the, it, it's so similar how leadership and business is like life. And uh, I, I'm dumb because I'm passionate about biking. So I think about it, but there's times where I can end up thinking, oh man, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go start running. I'm going to do something different. Whereas really, I just need to tweak it a little bit, or maybe I need to step back from my day-to-day training and add in a couple, you know, strength training or something like that, that kind of makes you re-love what you're doing. I I think it's the same type of thing in business. You got to step back and just see what maybe needs to be modified. Help, help the challenge be fun again a little bit. So, yeah, because most of us are competitive and people who are in a leadership position, sometimes we're there because we aspire for it. And sometimes it's because we, we just naturally fit that role really well. Um, regardless of that, of how you got there, there's, there's some fun to be had. And typically you're pretty competitive. And so none of us want to be in our role and not be successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that is one thing, you know, sometimes we'll talk about how everyone wants to be on a winning team and winning can, can look way different from team to team, but everyone wants to be on a team where they're winning. And that's the part that's fun. I mean, I know when we're succeeding in business, everything's just more fun and not just at work, but also at home. Have you found that to be the case as well with your people you've led? Yeah. Work impacts our home life so much. And, 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 you know, I used to say, hear people say, well, I'm just trying to have a work-life balance. That kind of insinuates that like they're two separate things, you know, on a, on a, on a, not a pendulum, but what is it? A weight, you know, a weight scale, a scale. Yeah. Yeah. You picture work on one life on the other, and you expect them to be balanced. I think in today's day and age, and frankly, as a leader, maybe I'm just today's day and age, it's got to be work-life harmony. Yeah. You can find harmony where some days of one's a little bit more than the other and, and give and take, you're going to be a lot happier and have a lot more realistic views of, of, of how life and or work and life kind of coincide. Yeah. Especially in our connected world these days, people, people, sometimes I'll hear them say, I can never escape work. And, and I, I have to be totally honest. I've felt that way at times in life, but I don't typically, I don't feel that way when I'm having fun at work. I'm not trying to escape work. I, I like work. It's fun. It's just a part of my kind of full life, my complete life. I have that challenge. You know, I, I mean, as of today, I really enjoy my work. It kind of comes and goes just like any of us. And, and that's it. You know, it's actually a joy. I just wish there was more time in the day so I could get everything done. But again, going back to mul- like kind of multiplying people like you talked about in your last episode, I think that's also an important part of, of just finding job satisfaction again is, is, you know, I, t- I say that the important part is you've got to either confront a problem or have a crucial conversation that needs to happen. Uh, at the end of the day, that needs to be done with the right people because then the way they respond will actually propel you forward. If you find you do those things and it's still not working, then that probably tells you that maybe you're not working with the people that you're, you're best suited for. Mm. The thing I find on those cases where you have those people you keep spending most of your time on, I find that what will happen is your other good people will begin to to leave or they'll start being dissatisfied at work when really it's us as the leader that has the opportunity to to help make sure the whole team is on the same page. Yep. I well said. Yeah, I try to pay attention to people when, you know, in a team setting or even individually if you ever hear sarca- sarcasm sarcasm there's always a hint of truth and i typically try to pay attention to that because that kind of directs me as to what people might be feeling yeah that's that's a really good point 
Yeah. And that's, and, and that kind of goes back to even what you talked about. I mean, your role as, as really a, a, a mentor for, for the leaders that you serve, you act as kind of that person to help, help them see more clearly. What can we do for people who maybe don't have someone like that? So someone who doesn't really have anybody else, I'm going to say above them or, or there to mentor them. What do you, what do, what do you do for those kind of people? Cause I know we have listeners here that maybe they're, maybe they're running their own business. Maybe they are the CEO of a small business and they don't have anybody else to help them see those, see themselves clearly or those insights. Any thoughts? That's deep. It, it, it's, it's unique because I've been fortunate to have that type of support for so long. You know, a lot of what I glean is from talking with other business, you know, associates in, in healthcare or potentially in other businesses and just listen. Cause a lot of the principles we're talking about crossover very well. Books really do have a lot of good in them. I, I've read a lot of them and, and I try to just listen when people say, oh, this is a great book. I'll try to maybe get it on, a, you know, on uh, Audible or something like that so I can kind of listen to it or pick it up and read it. Sometimes I don't always agree with everything or I might be like, okay, that's just like these other books, but there's a few other principles. And when I can just pick up little snippets that kind of give me some insights, that's kind of what I apply. What else? I don't know, Clint. Have you thought through that answer? I'd be interested to know what you've seen. You've been in more industries than I have. Yeah. You know, one one thing that that I've always loved to do is to read those same books like you talked about, read them with your team. So whether your team is a team of two or a team of 10, reading some of these leadership books together with aspiring leaders can often help. And 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 they can help provide insights. I've I've had times we will very often, we're almost always reading a book as a leadership team, and we will take turns you know, kind of leading the discussion of chapters. And, and there is, it's, it's interesting how you can often read the same book with, you know, multiple groups of people and you'll be talking about the same chapter and the discussions will be completely different. And it'll be just based on whatever time you're sharing it as the time in the business. So that's, that's something that I've really loved. Sometimes your people that are on your leadership team already, or that you work with have so many of the insights that you need they just don't know that they're allowed to say them. I like those principles. Well said. You know, I think there's something about this that we're talking about too is vulnerability. You know, you think you're the leader, so you're supposed to have all the answers. That couldn't be farthest from the truth. You're just supposed to help uh, figure out what those questions are and then find the right people who can find the answers. And so I think putting it back on your team, letting them know that you're seeking answers and showing that you don't have them all is a really good idea. And frankly, maybe you do that on social media or with your friends or neighbors, be open with it. Tell them if you're struggling as a business or if you're trying to improve sales and you can't quite figure out what to do. It's amazing just what common sense and people, you know, outside of your business might be able to offer some ideas. That's a great point. I have found, I I can't tell you how many times I've had small discussions with people, people that have a lot more leadership experience than I have over the years. And you talk to them and they are just open. They, they want to share everything with you. They want to see you be successful. They don't, they don't want you to struggle like they had to struggle. And I think there are a lot more mentors out there available for people than people realize. I guarantee it. It's funny because, you know, there's a way you can actually kind of cultivate people who will help you. I had a neighbor who was starting a business. It was a, a like a hearing aid type business. And 
quite successful by means of them like starting small and then building it. But he started asking me, he's like, hey, you know, I know you work for a bigger company. What books do you read? And, and I started sharing them with him and he was eating it up. And, and he made the comment, he's like, I really appreciate learning from you. And he just kind of built me up to where I was like, wow, I have some value. And if I found I was starting to look for things that I could share with him to kind of feed him and help him be successful, just like you were saying. So I, I think we as, as people maybe who are individuals, we can cultivate others wanting to help us by being humble, vulnerable with what our challenges are, and then don't hesitate to kind of build people up and tell them how much you appreciate their experiences because then I think they'll be pretty proactive in helping you. Yeah. Excellent thoughts. I love this. I love it. You know, we're getting to the end of the show here. And what I want to have us end on is what challenge would you leave for the listeners? But what is the one thing that you would have them do after they stop listening to that this week? I would challenge you to just identify what truly is potentially stopping you from loving your job even more. Take a few minutes, write down what things are hindering that. And some of it might be COVID. Some of it might be, you know, the economy and the environment outside of your control. Sure, acknowledge that. But I'm confident there's going to be something on there that you've potentially been avoiding. Whether it's modifying a meeting, like I've got to do because I've been avoiding it, or having a conversation, a tough conversation with somebody that you lead. And I would just challenge you to do that. And see what liberation, can I say that? Um, you yeah. know, it, liberation, freedom. Yes, freedom feeling, comes yeah. from that. That's my challenge for you. Take a few minutes to identify and then act on it. Don't wait until Wednesday next week because you got a lot of things going on Monday, Tuesday. Address it early on Monday because, by the way, it, something else will happen the next week and then you'll, before long, it'll be weeks before you address it. So identify it, act on it, and your week will go way better. I love it. And I would dare say that. The pondering of determining what the item is, I bet most people already know. I bet it's already came to their mind as they've been listening here today. So the action is the part that will make the difference. Just knowing it, not going to get you there. Good point. We already know it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, Tyler, so grateful to have you on the show. So fun. I, I hope we can have you on again in the future. Thank you. I'll work on it. Good luck, everyone. Hope you enjoy your job more next week than you did today. Thank you. Until next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Flavor of Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at flavoroflearership.com. Thanks for listening.